I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Tough day for BYU. Look, I'll admit I took a little bit of heat in the extended pregame and on my preview for the game today. I took a little bit of heat for picking BYU to lose this game. I picked them to lose. I, I thought BYU would lose this this game, but the thing is, is I thought that BYU would be competitive. I did not envision a scenario where BYU was going to be absolutely dominated against the Ducks, and that's what they were. Uh, they were just completely dominated from start to finish. I, at no point in this game, outside of the Chase Roberts opening offensive play, did I think BYU was playing well? It all went downhill after that fourth down uh, play call, that bubble screen to Cody Epps on the first offensive series. It was just downhill from there. And, you know, I always I always felt going into this week that Oregon uh, was just one of those teams that for one game they could put together an amazing 60 minutes. That, that's my thought. Like, I don't look at Oregon and say, yeah, they're going to go to the Rose Bowl. They're a New Year's Six team now. I don't think that's the case. I still think Dan Lanning and, and his Oregon squad are going to have some ups and downs throughout this season. But but the thing is, is that today they put together their best product and they really kind of gave a jolt of energy to that Oregon fan base and, and that Oregon program that was needing some sort of identity. Even Dan Lanning admitted in the post game that uh, that was kind of one of the, the motivations was to identify uh, that identity for the Oregon Ducks, and they sure did, uh, against BYU, who uh, just completely struggled uh, from start to finish in this game. Uh, BYU was was a mess, and, and the uncharacteristic mistakes BYU had in this game were, were just costly, and it wasn't a typical BYU team. But I think one of the lessons that you learn from this game with for BYU is that they're still kind of a long way to go in this growth, in this evolution of trying to be, or not trying to be, but eventually transitioning into a Power 5 conference, there's certain areas that BYU has to improve on uh, as far as personnel. Uh, the, the second string has to get better in certain spots, particularly on the defensive line. BYU loses Tyler Batty and Earl Tuioti Mariner along that defensive line, and the second string was completely outclassed uh, to Oregon, who, by the way, Oregon's got a top 10 offensive line this year. They haven't given up a sack through th- through three weeks. It's not like they BYU was getting handled in the trenches by some scrub offensive line. Oregon's really good. We knew that going in to this game that Oregon had a good O-line. Uh, but BYU has to get better 
along the defensive line. The questions that were raised about that group coming into the season uh, reared its ugly head again, and that's where uh, you know that was a position that I thought BYU just completely struggled without Batty, without Mariner. Uh, it, it just didn't even look like the same. Like you're going, how is BYU number twelve, and Oregon's the team that everyone's questioning right now based on how that looked personnel wise. Uh, I see a lot of you coming in here today. Uh, you know, let me talk real quick too about Autzen Stadium. Uh, my first time going to Autzen Stadium for a game. Uh, very impressed with the facilities at Autzen. Autzen Stadium, as it just itself, is a little bit older. Uh, you know, the kid gets some some updates, but they they've got nice amenities at Oregon. I thought the fans, for the most part, were uh, were fine. Uh, Oregon, I did. I, I I've seen the video that's been going around uh, social media. Uh, I, I of course didn't hear any of that. The or the student section was on the opposite side of the press box, so it wasn't within earshot. Of of uh, of the press box or anything like that, but I, I was impressed too with uh, BYU's turnout as well. Uh, I was talking with the Oregon sideline reporter Joey McMurray in the post game uh, after the game concluded, and I asked him, you know, in his time covering the Ducks, where does that road contingent rank among maybe the biggest road contingents he's seen roll through Otson? And he said, tough to say, but he said hands down top ten. That he's seen. Uh, that was a great turnout from BYU fans. Uh, you know, B, and it, it was cool too in the post game, seeing you know even though they lost and look BYU got completely worked. There, there's no way to sugarcoat that. Uh, but BYU fans were still cheering them on. That's one of the things about independence that you do kind of enjoy is that uh, independence has allowed BYU to go coast to coast, showcase this this program to so many different. Um, you know, fan bases that just typically don't get to see BYU football up close and in person. I mean, you got to go back to 1990, the last time BYU went to Odson. Uh, you know, it, it's not common that they play up in the Pacific Northwest, so clearly uh, the fans win or lose. They were excited to see their BYU football team in action, and you saw that in the post game. As my co-host from Cougar Sports Saturday, Matt Biamonte, joins me now. Matt, we were sitting up in that Odson Stadium press box We'll dive into the game here, but uh, maybe your thoughts of just Autzen Stadium, Eugene, uh, as we start things off there in that direction. Oh, man, this this isn't the right time to ask me this, Mitch. But uh, um, it was I thought that the the vibe and the, the crowd noise was as advertised. Yeah. However, I kind of got tell me if you feel the same way. I kind of got. Albertson Stadium vibes a little bit from uh, from Boise State. It was just like a concrete, just like a concrete wall. It's like a concrete fortress. I I was expecting with yeah. you know Oregon and Nike and the cachet of that university. I thought the stadium would be nicer than it was, but it was. I mean, it was it was a great venue um, to watch a football game because it was such such a beautiful part of the country. And the, the you know the the atmosphere was great, but the stadium itself was a little underwhelming. That, 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 did you feel the same way? Yeah, that, that's what I, I I felt too. The the stadium was a little bit underwhelming, but I, I thought the uh, the atmosphere. It's like a very collegial or col- college football type setting. I thought that was pretty cool up in Autzen. But for BYU, now the game, Matt. That was that was just a mess uh, for BYU. It, it just it simply was. You know. There's always these games where 
you just get left wondering what just happened. You know, <laughs> that that has been one of the themes of of Kalani's tenure, unfortunately for Kalani, is that there's always a game or two that leaves you scratching your head and thinking, how did that just happen? And look, this happened under Lavelle, too. This is not some, you know, uncommon thing for BYU. Even the legend, the man on the on the stadium, Lavelle had some games when he was the head coach where you went, how on earth did that just happen? It ha- it This goes on in college football all the time. Like, Tonight we're seeing, well, Florida barely beat South Florida, the same Florida team that was getting anointed as just this, the, 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 the toughest team in the Southeast after week one, and they barely beat South Florida. College football this year is so weird, Matt, and it was a head-scratching performance by BYU, and what's what makes it frustrating for the Cougars is they missed an opportunity. The narrative, the nation was ready to say BYU was in the thick of the playoff race. And with two games coming up against Wyoming and Utah State, who BYU will be heavy favorites against, this was a blown opportunity by the Cougars. And not only did they lose, they got blown out to where they are going to be out of sight and out of mind. I still think they stay in the rankings, but uh, that's what makes this loss difficult is that it was a complete missed opportunity to really insert yourself in the national conversation. Huge missed opportunity, especially because I thought the schedule, ne- never mind the fact that they have Notre Dame and Arkansas, which Arkansas, one of those teams that just barely escapes today. Today's been a crazy day in college football, but I thought that the schedule was balanced because if they could have beaten Oregon, Wyoming and Utah State are very winnable games. And then, because Utah State is on a Thursday night, they would have had an extra two days, three, you know, three days even rest to get ready for Notre Dame. So I I just liked how it wasn't five, six straight power five level games, you know, Boise being in there too. So that I think was a huge missed opportunity. And and then you touching on the, the national perspective of it all, the way college football has been this year, I think that an undefeated BYU could have made the college football playoff. Now, there's no reason to really have this discussion because that's not reality, but BYU being this high, this early, with big names still on the schedule, it really allowed for that opportunity. And if you beat an Oregon team on the road, and we know that they didn't, but if you beat them, you're you're maybe the darling of college football, but that's, that's not what happened because BYU, quite frankly, uh, lost this game on the defensive side of the football, Mitch. Too many missed tackles. Uh, you know they weren't able to stop the run. And they even won the turnover battle, but it, it wasn't enough because when you cannot stop the run, they'll go for it on fourth down. They'll convert third downs. They're living in third and short. It opens up the deep play action game. I mean, it just changes everything. And BYU had no answer for it. And that was the most frustrating part is that last week. They had an answer for the run game. Jeff Grimes tried to run it down their throat, and they they hung in there. I, I thought Baylor won the line of scrimmage battle in that game, but they hung in there and made plays. Today, they did not win the line of scrimmage battle at all, and they they didn't hang in there. They weren't making the easy plays. I think the the third – I'm rambling here, but there was a play, I think it was on the final drive of the first half, where Oregon went for it on the fourth and one – on their own 30. And this is right after a missed field goal from Jake Oldroyd 
and BYU is right there in the gap to make the play, and they can't make the tackle behind the line of scrimmage. And it was just, I just felt like that was happening over and over and over again, where they just couldn't make the fundamentally sound play, and Oregon took advantage. Oregon finishes up the game with 439 total yards, 227 through the air, 212 on the ground. I mean, that's as perfect as it comes. 50-50 balance attack. That's what Oregon had. BYU, on the flip side, had 366 total, 305 through the air, and only 61 rushing yards. Matt, that shocked me. Uh, You know, because, look, I, I, myself, you, we've talked about this BYU offensive line, and... Uh, you know, I thought that this was going to be one of the best BYU offensive lines that I've seen. I still think they can be. I think this BYU O-line personnel-wise, uh, looking at the press box up at Autzen, tons of NFL scouts, many of which probably looking at guys along BYU's offensive line. Uh, but the, to see BYU's ground attacks stalled uh, these last two weeks has been shocking. And uh, Chris Brooks, he ends up with only uh, 10 carries for 28 yards had that 11-yard uh, run that you felt like, okay, BYU's going to get some momentum going here, but uh, just that ground attack never could get going. That was a big surprise. Yeah, I, we, I think we talked about this, Mitch, a little bit, um, maybe post-game, but we were gassing up this offensive line as being one of the best maybe ever for BYU football. And that has just, that's not true. That, that I think after these past two games, we can definitively say this is not the best offensive line in the history of BYU football. And I still think they're very good. In pass protection, I thought they were very good. But it is shocked to me how they have not been able to run the ball these past two weeks. I mean, they, they can't even break off a five-yard run. It's like every yard is is the hardest yard they've ever earned. It's crazy. There was that third and 11, I believe it was in the first half, that pass protection, that perfect pocket was a thing of beauty. Jaron Hall was there, and he found and he connected, I believe it was with uh, Cody Epps, I, I believe, who, by the way, Cody Epps had a nice game, five catches, 45 yards, his first career touchdown, albeit in a losing effort. But, uh, yeah, the offensive line, I mean, the, these were the two games where you could really, you know, earn, earn the, uh, the, the respect or maybe kind of gain that uh, – Validate the the hype that they got in the preseason, and uh, to struggle on the ground like this has has been surprising. And you know, I thought Kalani was very uh, candid about his he's going to have to reevaluate everything. And I don't think you know the thing is, is there's been a track record when tough losses like this happen. Kalani has always shown he will be willing to reevaluate things and change. And that's one thing that I think BYU fans coming out of this loss. Um, you know, should still be somewhat optimistic about is that you're not dealing with like an Iowa where the coach is completely stubborn and you're going to be stuck with this terrible OC and this terrible offense and this terrible system. Like Kalani and this staff, they're going to reevaluate things. If they if there's another player or if there's someone off the bench, it's going to make things better. Whether it's offense, defense, special teams, they're going to turn to that. Like I don't think they're going to sit on their hands and just say, okay. Do the same thing. It's going to work, and we're going to keep forcing it uh, down. Now, it's a lot different opponent next week against Wyoming and Utah State. But, hey, you know, the Pokes, they got a nice win this week over over Air Force. But I do think that when Kalani says he's going to reevaluate stuff, I do buy that. I don't think it's just completely coach speak uh, because, yeah, the way that they played, 
I'm sure that shocked him a bit uh, to, to see them get blown out that way because BYU, yes, they're going to lose games, but you, typically I think they've gotten to a point the last few years where you think they're going to be in it down to the final wire. If they lose, it's going to be you know a last-second bit deal. It's going to be BYU's going to have a, a series or two where they can go out and win that thing in the fourth quarter, but to be in the third quarter and Bo Nix is basically calling it a day with four and a half left in the third quarter – that was shocking, and uh, you know that I just did not I did not see that scenario playing out at all for BYU. Let's get to some fan interactions, Mitch, uh, and, and we're going to screen people a little bit better this time. Last week we <laughs> last week things got off the rails yeah, that a, was a little bit, <laughs> so uh, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that uh, only people with sane comments are going to get through, but. I like some of the chats that are coming in here, Mitch. Let's get to, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Matt Crabtree at the BYU Fanatic says, what are your thoughts on the smooth snap call? Not that it would have changed the result of the game, but is that actually a rule? So, uh, yes, it is a rule. Um, It's not called the smooth snap rule, but like when the ball starts to move, it has to be a continuous motion. So, yeah. from watching the replay, to me, it seemed like there Matt, did I lose you? That might... I think we lost you for a little bit, Matt. You back? Yes, I'm back. Sorry. Okay. Uh, it, it, my phone was telling me I spent too much time on Twitter today, but I told him, <laughs> whatever. No limits today. So no no screen time limits. But it, it, I don't think it was a fumble. Did you? No, I, I didn't. Uh, but you know, I, I think that you know th- this is a game where I, you know, and I think that's it's hard to like nail down like a certain moment or a certain play and and kind of get worked up about any of it because it just felt like just the tone, the 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 just the the vibe of Oregon. It just they were playing so much faster. Their athleticism just popped, and that's why I don't I don't really get caught up in any sort of moment or play per se in this game because, you know, typically in any loss you could point to two or three plays and feel like that could swing the outcome. And, and, and you know, there's, there still could be those moments, you know, the 50-yard pass that Bo Nix had down around the goal line for Oregon uh, on second glance, watching it, I mean, uh, in live in the Austin Stadium press box, I didn't really see anything that suggested it was potentially hitting the ground. But at second glance, you go, Maybe that could have been a review, and does that change things a little bit? But still, I just thought that Oregon uh, was determined to rewrite the narrative of their program because, I mean, this this reminded me a little bit of 2009 Florida State when you're watching the pregame college football shows and you're going, huh, like all these analysts are picking BYU to go win in Autzen Stadium. Like, just saying that sentence sounds unusual. Now, all of us, we follow BYU football extensively, and, you know, BYU is a winning program. They they win at a high level, but you still go, that's still a frightening thought. Like, that's a ma- that would be a massive win for BYU to go in there to Autzen, and a lot of people are just saying, yep, BYU, they're going to go in there, they're going to handle them, and you're thinking... Oh man, is BYU ready to handle this type of pressure? That was me, man. And uh, well, I, I mean, the thing is, though, they, they were capable of it. You would think they, they this was a a different team, but I think 
you know, you hope in the long run, Matt, what you hope going forward is that it this doesn't derail this team. Uh, because any year with independence, when you lose one, it feels like it can be a little bit of a, you know, it, it can really hurt the sales. I think that narrative hurts a little bit more this year because this team, I think, genuinely felt like they were among the best of college football. And to not put that product and to get blown out the way they did against Oregon hurts their, you know, mojo, if you will, a little bit. And you got to hope that they can pick themselves off the mat quick because there's still some tough games, and you don't want to let this loss turn into additional losses or poor performances where even if you win, you still play down to your opponent. You don't want that to happen. you got to get back to playing at a high level that BYU uh, really should play with the type of personnel and the experience that they have on this roster. Here's the thing, Mitch. Um, the CFP would have been amazing, but the reality is Georgia was going to blow them away like they did South Carolina today. But, so well, I still think... It's what? Not, it's not about like the it's not about the playoff. It's just it, it would have been nice for BYU to be in the narrative, like just yeah. being well, in the conversation. Like yeah, that that whole like even even an undefeated BYU probably ends up fifth or sixth. Like they probably don't even get in the top four. To be quite honest with you, but this just depends. Be, just Maybe, to, but just to be in the conversation. That's all Cougar fans want. They want some just respect. On on the name of this program, I, I feel like I, I think Cougar fans, honestly, like the outside fan bases, like the Mountain West fans, Pac-12 fans, they label BYU in this unrealistic way. Like, oh, these these zoobs, these Cougar fans, they want they feel like they, they feel like it's 1984 every year and they got to win the national title. No, I don't ever meet BYU fans that are saying. Oh yeah, they gotta win every game and win every, win a national title. Like no, BYU fans are pretty reasonable, but they they want that season from wire to wire. They're in the conversation, and twenty. I think they still are. Here's that's the thing is if you can if you have the some, Hawaii Bowl, Matt. They're going to the Hawaii Bowl. No, Mitch, not, Mitch. No, they are not. I going feel to like the normally. No way. Normally, I'm the one that people have to talk me off the ledge, but I'm going to do it for you tonight. All right. They just Normally, got blown just, out. This, you you they, mean to tell me when the college football playoff committee has their annual or their weekly selections, they'll go, yeah, we really respect BYU. I can already write the script. I'll write it right now. Okay, college football playoff <laughs> opening night, BYU, let's say they're 8-1. and one, The first rankings come out. They'll go, oh, BYU checking in at number 18. And then you'll go. No, oh, no. They will say, what BYU at eighteen? And then some guy that's Gary Barta, not Barta because he's a, it's a different guy this time around. He'll come onto the TV and say, "We really respect BYU. We like BYU." But they had that twenty-one point loss to Oregon, and that really told us something because Oregon lost by forty-six to Georgia, and they've only played four P five teams. You know darn well that's the narrative. Come no, on that's come it's on, not. Matt, it's, Matt, if come they on. beat, they beat Notre Dame, and they beat Arkansas. They will have an opportunity to still play in a New Year's Six bowl game. That's no still way. I, yes, I still believe that that is it is an opportunity no because way. now you need help. You need Oregon to win the Pac twelve, but I I think that the schedule is still tough enough and it's balanced enough that it's not going to be the same narrative as twenty twenty. There's no one on the schedule in twenty twenty, Mitch. There was nobody on the schedule. That that could move the, move the needle. That's not the case this year. Look, Arkansas Arkansas is a good football team. I, uh, Notre Notre Dame is not a good football team, but Notre Dame still has that narrative. You know, so I, I'm with you, Matt. Like, I mean, 
I want to believe, and I think BYU could still be a 10-win football team this year. I do. I, I think that they could. But this was the, um, you know, Arkansas, you mentioned them. They struggled tonight with, with Missouri State. Honestly, I don't know who's good in college football anymore outside of Georgia and Alabama. Like, I, I think any given week, anyone can be had, and it's kind of fun to see that, to be quite honest with you, because in college football we've been told, oh, revenue stream this, what's your brand this, what this school makes this money, and then you got Missouri State's of the world going into Fayetteville and hanging tough with Arkansas. You got South Florida going into the swamp and hanging with Florida. It's like college football's got a ton of parity. Like anyone that gets a scholarship at the FBS level is a pretty good football player. So BYU, like we probably shouldn't assume that they just take care of business against the Wyomings and Utah States. And I know that I've said that they're just going to be 4-1 and one or whatever, but uh, every game's going to be tough. And, and this schedule yeah. will continue to be difficult each and every week. And, you know, I just think that – I just hope that – No, it's not going to be difficult each and every week. Come on. Yes. It was – BYU did not play good football today. But I don't think that means this, this is a bad football team, what's, Mitch. What's, because the, what's the game that you, that you can just basically say it's an automatic win outside of Utah Tech? The next two, Wyoming and Utah State. I think being back at home, I don't know about they'll that. be fine. No, they'll, 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 be, they'll, they'll probably win. But I don't think in this – what I'm saying in this year of college football, crazy stuff is happening. I mean, today what we saw at Oregon was crazy. To see BYU just absolutely rocked. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Like, if BYU no. is going to go down, they're going to lose close. But to get rocked? Like, week by week, you just never know. And, I look, I got a theory too, Matt. I'm convinced – BYU is not a good day team anymore. I don't know what the deal is. I'm with you on that. BYU is the ultimate night team. They are just like, if they play in the day, be warned. Be scared. So what's the concern for the next two games? Those are late games. No, I I know. I know. That's that's my reason for uh, being okay, I guess. My reason for optimism is this, Mitch. I thought Jaron Hall had a great football game today. Now, did did he have a, a moment in the game where... He took over and made some heroic play. No, but he was 29 of 41. He threw for 300 yards, 20, 71% completion percentage. I never felt like he was jittered or scared by the moment. I thought he was in control. He made a lot of great throws. Uh, the offense played good enough to, to be in a competitive game and have a chance to win. The defense did not allow them to do that. The defense was horrible. Six, five touchdowns on their first six drives, scored on six of their first six drives. The missed tackles were piling up yep. more than, you know, the amount of trees I can look outside from my uh, hotel room here in Portland, Oregon. It was just the missed tackles were mind-boggling today. It was it was not assignment sound football, but I think offensively there are still some good things there. The run game is a problem. It's, uh, it, it makes it hard to have explosive plays because you can't get anyone to bite on a play-action pass, but considering they are still missing the two best receivers and, you know, they haven't had a full stable offensively all year, I thought they were pretty good against a good Oregon defense. So uh, if the defense can figure things out and stop the run again, then I I, I don't know. I, I, I just – was it discouraging today? Yes. Was it disappointing? Yes. But I don't feel like the season is over, and I still think it's a good football team, and they've got two inferior opponents, Mitch, that if they can – Right the ship. They'll be back in the top. I mean, they're not going to fall out of the rankings. Do you think they're going to be out of the top 25? No, I think they'll be around like 
19 to 22 range. Yeah. So you go if you if Notre Dame can win some games and you and you can beat Notre Dame, I think you're back in the top 15 ish, and that's a good place to be halfway through the year. So it's it's not all it's not all doom and gloom yet. Oh no! Losing it, to Wyoming would be doom and gloom. At that point, you're going to need to talk <laughs> me off the ledge. It's never doom and gloom per se. I think it's just. I was just shocked by how how they got dominated. I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, I and I, it didn't doesn't yep. help matters when you're down some key personnel. I mean, in the game, Caleb Hayes, he's out, and it was an undisclosed injury. I mean, he was walking the sidelines and had no helmet on, but uh, you know, Caleb got injured. That was a big loss, and that short that fifty yard pa- t- uh, uh, pass from Bo Nix uh, was immediately after Caleb Hayes left the game. Uh, they attacked instantly on that side. And, uh, you know, credit Bo Nix, too. 13 of 18, 222 yards, two touchdowns, zero. I'm not ages. giving him much credit. I thought he was dang good. I mean, I'll give him some credit. Like I could have completed half of those passes, but there was no pressure. He was never right. uncomfortable. Right. I mean, that that's the thing. Like, but, I mean, he, he proved, though, because typically I think the narrative with him is that uh, he makes these catastrophic plays, even if he doesn't face pressure. Like he's just this guy that is this so-called gunslinger, but he's really not. Like when he's got time, like any quarterback at this level, uh, he'll slice you up, and he did. I mean, credit to him. I thought he looked pretty good. I, I think that you know, I don't. Again, I don't know what to read of Oregon going forward. Still, I don't know if they're gonna win the Pac-12 or anything. I don't know that, but uh, you know, for one day, he was pretty dominant, and uh, I'll, I'll give him some credit because that guy has been. I mean, uh, uh, he faced a lot of unnecessary grief on the plains in Auburn, and uh, he had to leave. But you know, they they uh, they tore up BYU, and I think that BYU, uh, you know, it will be interesting to see too the special teams component for BYU, Matt, because uh, Jake Oldroyd oh, he missed his third consecutive kick. I asked Kalani in the uh, post game what direction they go moving forward with the kicker spot, and he focused more on the team and about reevaluating everything and I think that will be the case but I will say Matt I talked to you about this on the field at the end of the game I thought in that spot at fourth down where they went for yep. it I mean the, the game's over right I mean you're not even in, impacting the Vegas line if you want to get in that sort of thing I would have just honestly given Jake Oldroyd another field goal at the end of that game just to see okay no pressure nothing's on the line just kick this field goal and send it through the upgrades. Because to me, I was thinking, get Jaron Hall out of that game because you do not want to risk him getting hurt at all costs in that spot. Like, I mean, injuries happen in football, yes, but to have him potentially hurt in that scenario would have been awful. Uh, to me, it was like, put out Jake Oldroyd on that fourth down, the final play of the game, uh, let him kick a field goal and get his confidence back up because now he goes into Wyoming and it's a storyline carrying into that week where what do they do with the kicker spot? Do they go to Justin Smith? Do they go to Ryan Rico? Do they go to Cash Peterman? Who knows? I mean, uh, that's a tricky deal with the kicker spot with Jake Oldroyd because that was a costly miss because at that time, BYU was oh, yeah. 17-7. If they make that, it's a one-possession game, and it feels like the whole tenor of the game changes, and it was evaporated, that momentum that BYU was building after that miss. Yeah, definitely. Uh, on, on the article I wrote today, I thought that's when the game, I mean, if you had to pinpoint when I think it changed, I think that was the moment because it just felt like bad start. If we score here, we're back within one, you miss it, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, here we go. Another, you know, it's so, 
the kicking situation is hard because, uh, you know, what you want to do is say you get one more opportunity and if you can't convert there, then we got to go to another direction. That, that's not going to help the situation. That's not going to help. Old droid. So, I, I, but that's kind of how I feel. I feel like if you miss your next attempt, it's on to Justin Smith if he's ready to go. And it's, it's frustrating, but it's football. Like if you got to, you got to convert in these situations. That was, that was a critical moment in the game. So the special teams component is going to be interesting. Uh, and then I, I think also does BYU have the right combination on the offensive line? Not that I, I wouldn't say that anyone is playing poorly per se, but we know that there's more than five capable starting players mm-hmm. And what makes a great offensive line isn't necessarily it's the five strongest or five biggest guys on the team. There's chemistry involved at the line as well. So do they need to see if Joe Tukawafu makes sense in there? Maybe Campbell Barrington? Is Harrison Chance better suited at a tackle? I, I don't know. I, I would imagine that's going to be evaluated by Kalani. But, jeez, uh, I, I still just cannot believe that they – got blasted at the line of scrimmage today, Mitch. I just, I did not see that coming after last week. No, I, I didn't either. And and Oregon's defensive line, uh, better than I envisioned. I mean, I, I yep. was expecting the Oregon defensive line that kind of got put, I mean, straight up pushed around by Utah, by Oklahoma, by Georgia. I mean, those are, those are very good teams, you know, that they lost to. I thought BYU would would hold their own because they got an elite offensive line. But Brandon Dolores, he was outstanding. He's a preseason All Pac twelve defensive end, number three for the Ducks. He had like what seven tackles, uh, a, a tackle or half a sack. I mean, he he was he was all over the place for for Oregon. I thought some standouts for for BYU defense. I still think Max Tooley's doing a pretty good job. I, I think Tooley, uh, he's playing some great football. He he had another hard hit. Uh, I just love the way that guy is playing right now. I'm curious to see uh, how things evolve with the cornerback room with Caleb Hayes because if Hayes is out, uh, you know that thing shrinks up a little bit the depth because then you're talking about Gabe Judy Lally, uh, D'Angelo Mandel, Jacob Robinson, and then you're probably elevating a freshman cornerback or or Maury Bamba, the Juco transfer. Uh, He becomes cornerback four, and General Guilford wants to have four DBs that he can rotate in that secondary. It was interesting, too, after that first defensive series, Guilford, usually a pretty mellow guy. You see him on the bike in in the fall camp videos with Preston Hadley and whatnot. He was getting after his his DBs uh, on the sideline. I don't know if you caught that too, Matt, but he was lacing into them like like basically like I don't know what he was saying, but he was animated basically from what I could see from the press box perch and uh, uh, just an all around one of those games where I think that uh, it, it probably stunned them a bit to have it to have them uh, you know just lose the way that they did, but. Uh, they got to bounce back, and I they I think they will, man. I'm not suggesting that BYU is going to lose. No, you don't. You, you, you said the season was over. No, I I did not say the season was over. You I, did too. You said they they're going to the Hawaii Bowl. They are. They are, man, and that's okay. They, they could go 11 and one, and they're going to the Hawaii Bowl. That's all I'm saying. Like, I don't believe. I don't look, believe that yet. Look, they could win by 60 points that every single game, and they will go to the Hawaii Bowl. 
Like, that's okay. Like, I'm still going to cover it. Cougar fans are still going to care about it because the Big 12 is in the future. So, ultimately, it's like, be done with independence. Good riddance. Like, there are some bright spots to it because you get to go coast to coast. But, like, losing the way that they did, BYU will forever be punished when they have a bad loss. Like, BYU, it's not a bad loss to lose to Oregon, but the way they lost was bad. And that will be held against them. So, if you're going to size them up as an NY6 team down the road, which only has one at-large spot, that'll be held over their head. Like, that, that's all I'm saying. Like, it, it's not that it's the season is lost. Like, I can't wait to see how this team bounces back. I think it's a great storyline. I think it's how do they f- bounce back from adversity. This is the leadership of Jaron Hall. Like, it's great to have the viral moment of a hug on the sideline after a double OT win. This is now the moments where you really become the leader. And that's Jaron Hall. He is a leader. I think Cougar fans should know. They should have the confidence knowing that moving forward – they do have that great leadership with Jaron. And I don't think he's going to allow uh, this season to go sideways because of one game. And I think that's, that is reason enough to where BYU will get back on track because Jaron Hall will, will not allow anyone to just completely throw their hands up and, and kind of go through the motions, if you will. But, yeah, I mean, NY6, that's gone. I mean, I just I, I don't see a path. It's you not can't. gone. It is. Come on. You know that. They have no access to it. None. None. They have no advocate for them. None. Look, you're compare. You're basing this off of 2020. No, but, but they didn't. Ha- they they didn't have the schedule for it. That's no. the thing. I, so I'm, I'm not basing it off of anything. I just I'm basing it off of they have no access. None. Like they had to run the table and they got handled in one game and it's 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 shot for them and that's fine. Like BYU fans. They don't need to be defined by an NY6. Like, it's okay. Just just please ESPN, give them a Power 5 game. But, like, hey, if you go beat Arkansas, you beat Notre Dame, it's all about the regular season, the week-in, week-out battles, and can BYU improve, too? Because I think, again, today was an example of there needs to be improved uh, talent in those second and third units. Look, I've said all along, I think this is the most talented from 1 to 123 roster that I've seen in BYU football in the 21st century. I think this is a very talented roster by BYU standards. By Power 5 standards, still a long way to go. If you base it off the recruiting rankings, today's roster or today's game was not a surprise. Oregon, the seventh most talented roster by the 24-7 sports talent composite, BYU 107th. Do I completely agree with those star ratings all the time on BYU guys? No, because we all know that sometimes when it comes to a BYU recruit who dreams his whole entire life of going to BYU and he just shuts down his recruitment as a junior, they're not going to really get that bump because they're not going to get many offers, and they're not going to get the recruiting clout that really they probably should get. Uh, But, you know, BYU, 107th in recruiting rankings, that's got to improve. BYU has to be in more battles with four-star guys, and they've had that recently. Siali Acera, Jackson Bowers, Ethan Thomason. These are four-star talents, so the, the, the talent pool is improving. There's still a long way to go, and I think this was another example of that. I think what's unfortunate for BYU is they don't get the revenge opportunity against Oregon. They get a $1.1 million check, but they don't get that revenge opportunity because we know when BYU gets a revenge opportunity, they seize that opportunity, and uh, that's a little bit of a bummer. They don't get a chance uh, to get revenge on the Ducks. Let's get to a few more questions here, Mitch, and if you're daring enough, you can uh, request to speak, but we will thoroughly vet you before we let you on here Sam Farnsworth we don't need to vet we know that we know that that guy is legit so if he wants to jump on I'd love to hear from Sam um 
here's a here's an interesting question. This is from Chance Williams in the comments. He says, "Do you feel Chris Brooks is running back one through three games? I haven't seen the hype." The run blocking is really underwhelming as well. Well, I think that answers the question right there. I, I don't think it matters who your running back is right now. It, it, there's, they're, they're not even getting to the second level, Mitch. They are getting met at the line of scrimmage. So the, and Tyler Algier would be struggling with this run blocking right now. So it's, I think Chris Brooks is the uh, good enough to be an RB1. I think he proved that in the South Florida game. Now, South Florida is obviously not up to the level of Baylor and Oregon. But I don't think Lopini or Miles Davis or Jackson McChesney would fare any better with the run blocking right now. There's no push at the line of scrimmage. And if, if you're getting met at the line of scrimmage, you can't even get to the second level before you're getting met. I think there's an issue. And I, I, I've been thinking about this for the past few hours, driving up I-5 back up to Portland. And I think a few BYU fans on here know how painful that was with the traffic. My goodness, that was rough. Sam might know right now, actually, on his, on his way up to Portland. But I kind of feel like an adjustment that could and maybe should be made is bring back the fullback in some situations. We haven't seen it with, with Mason Wake. And I would like to see Houston Haymuli used a little bit more in the run game as well. He was very good at that at Stanford. He, he, he has a proven track record of that. Get him in there to just, Smash skulls, man. So like uh, to answer that question, I think I think Brooks is still RB1, but there's nothing he can do right now with the way they're blocking in the run game. There's no question that Brooks is RB1. I mean, I, I, I don't think there's any debate, uh, to be quite honest with you. I think what has been a little bit surprising through three weeks with Chris Brooks is maybe you don't see that, I don't know, shiftiness. I don't know what you want to coin it, but uh, you know, Brooks is trying to like run over people. That's kind of, you know, like he's got to have a little bit more wiggle, a little more shiftiness, whereas Lopini in stretches has had that little extra wiggle to kind of get an extra yard or two occasionally. Chris Brooks is RB1, though. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he's he's the best back in the backfield. There's a reason there after spring ball, it was hands down. He's RB1. Aaron Roderick didn't even have it as a debate in fall camp. Like, that was the guy, and he's going to remain the guy because he will have some big games going forward. Look, I, I had high expectations for him, and I still do. I mean, I thought, you know, he could be a Tyson Williams. I thought it could be, you know, a thousand-yard rusher this year. I'll admit, I said that. And I still think he's going to have some big games. Uh, but, you know, it's just taking a little bit longer than uh, expected. And and I think that, you know, I think that he will turn this around. And I think that BYU's offensive line, uh, this can be a nice wake-up call for them. And, and that, hey, the praise that they've received, great. They haven't validated it yet. You know, Daryl Funk even said in the spring in the spring that he wanted this offensive line to be the best offensive line in the country. He believed that they could be that, and I still believe they can be one of the best offensive lines in the country because the NFL talent on this line uh, is legit. They will be NFL draft picks on the, in this group, but uh, they got to improve, and uh, you hope that uh, it's a quick fix soon, and you hope that... The thing is, Matt, if they can, you know, they'll let's say they'll get these wins over Wyoming and Utah State. If they can find a way to pull out a win over Notre Dame, I don't care what Notre Dame is, winless or whatever, just beating the Irish would be a nice feather in the cap for BYU. So build up momentum going into Vegas in a few weeks when it's played on KSL 5 TV and KSL News Radio, BYU and Notre Dame. Speaking of KSL 5 TV, Sam Farnsworth, how are you doing, man? How's the La Quinta treating you? Wait, are, are, were you trapped on the I-5 like me? 
No, dude. I'm I'm uh, I'm staying in Eugene tonight and leaving out of Eugene early in the morning. Good decision. Same I don't. Man. I I I had a I had a rough time just getting to Outson this morning. So I kind of feel like I understand your pain going back to Portland. Because that was the direction I came in. So, Sam, Sam, but I can't understand the pain, Sam, because dr- the drive down <laughs> is full of optimism and hope. The drive back to those things. There you go. Sam, there you go. Sam, tell the listeners how challenging it was. We didn't know if you were going to make it to Otson. You somehow found a way. <laughs> Lay out like how, how your travel itinerary because it's kind of fascinating to me. Okay, I will lay out the travel itinerary, and then I do have a a couple of comments okay. also that uh, on BYU. But but yes. Uh, it, crazy because you know uh, we, we we make travel plans uh, as soon as we know we can you know who's going yeah. um anyway long story short by the time i knew i was coming out here to cover this game uh the only flight i could get in to have a chance at getting to outson before the game it had to go through portland so i found one that was supposed to land in portland at eight twenty in the morning all of the rental car agencies in portland were booked completely sold out no rental cars. Let's let's, uh, let's pause right there because that is crazy. Because in Eugene too, it was also sold out, and all the rideshare drivers here in in Eugene, they're like, "Man, we are having so many BYU fans." This was on Friday night. And I told mm-hmm. them, I said, "I think it's because all these rental cars are sold out." Like because most BYU fans, I think, flew into Portland, so you have to have a rental car. So this was a crazy weekend. But continue. No, it's true, and. And, and, you know, the, the, the Turo app, they, they wouldn't let me pick up a car in, in Portland and drop it off in Eugene, you know, things like that. So basically. I, I wonder I, why, Sam. Right. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I totally get it. It's like so saying to someone on Airbnb, hey, can I come stay in your house, but I'm going to paint your wall? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. You're not doing that. <laughs> like, like what Prince did to Carlos Boozer's house, right? Okay, but here's the thing. Here's the thing is like uh, I, I basically was hinging my hope on on an Uber driver willing to take me that far, and then of course that would have cost an arm and leg. Long story short, my brother has a friend who lives in Vancouver, Washington, who was driving down through the game wow. with his whole with his whole family. He was kind enough to leave his car at short term parking at the Portland airport for me. He hid the key. He jumped in his wife's car and went with his family to the game so that as soon as I got off the plane, I could hop in a car and drive down. And so I was, it was, it was a blessing. I literally walked in uh, to the press box right as the national anthem was going. So uh, I was able to make it. And here's the funny thing. Um, BYU fans will appreciate this guy, this guy, uh, big time BYU fan. His license plate is a Washington license plate says BYU fan. Oh, that's wow. the license plate. That's and legit. so I'm driving I'm driving that car down uh down the five, <laughs> coming here, and every BYU fan that passed me, meh, 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 you know, showing yeah. me the whys and all that. So um they you know, it, it was uh, quite the experience. But um and then once you I'm got, glad I'm glad I got there. Once you got there and got to Autzen Stadium and you interrupted the national anthem, which we will look past, Matt or uh, <laughs> Sam, I'm kidding. Um your thoughts on the game? Uh, are are you feeling BYU will bounce back from this and and be better off in the long run? Because there are times teams can a loss can sometimes make a team you know maximize their potential. What do you think of BYU moving forward? Yes, it can, it can. So uh, yeah, I have I have a few comments on it. So um, you know, a loss can help a team maximize their potential. Look no further than the University of Utah last year. 
started one and two, but it was that San Diego State loss that helped them maximize Sam, their potential Sam, to get to the I'm road. Ju- I'm no, just going to stop but, you right now. This, this is, is a safe space okay. here, this Sam, but we want to keep it that way. This is a BYU therapy <laughs> session, Sam. Yes, okay. Okay. But what I'm saying, and I know they had an avenue of being a conference member and winning a conference championship to get there. Hey, could you give Sam, us a Broncos analogy instead? That would be more yes, fitting. Sam, yes, you, okay, let read me tell the you room. The Literally, read the space. Read the space. Okay. <laughs> BYU football therapy. Oh, all right. No, They don't need I, to I, hear I, no Pac-12 this and that. Okay, Sam? I am, I am, I am here to give you BYU fans some therapy right now and paint a silver lining because when I tuned in, I heard what you and and Matt were talking about, Mitch. Mitch believing that this is destined for the Hawaii Bowl now. Uh, Matt Matt still believing that there's hope for uh, an at-large NY6. I am in the same boat as Matt, and this is why. Uh, you look you look at what BYU uh, – personally, I think when the rankings come out tomorrow, BYU is still going to be, I think – 18-19, I, I think is a decent spot. It's tricky. Uh, what was it, 11, 12, and 13 all lost today? Everyone else, I think, in the top 25 won. So they could drop a bit further. But I think losing to the 25th-ranked team, I, you know, Michigan State loses to an unranked team. They're, I feel like they should drop below BYU, right? Uh, long story short, I think BYU still right around that top 20 mark. And then you mentioned it, Mitch. You know, you got a couple of uh, nice home games that they can rebound with wins. Then you got the the marquee game with Notre Dame. No matter what their ranking or record is at that time, it's still a, a premier national game that people will be watching. A great opportunity to put your team and your game on display for everyone and show them what you can do going into the following weekend at home with an SEC team coming in Arkansas. Uh, again, no matter where they're at, the fact of the matter is right now they're 10th in the country. Uh, no matter where they're at, when, when that game comes, it's still an SEC team in Provo. And, and I think at that point, BYU could potentially be right back in the conversation. And, you know, if teams ahead of them are losing, and let's say BYU has a one-loss season, they finish the season ranked 12th in the country, 11th in the country, they are going to be, uh, uh, I think, a heavy favorite at that point to get maybe an at-large NY6 um, uh, uh, invitation. And so I don't think it's a lost cause. There is still plenty to play for. Is it out of their hands? It is much more out of their hands than going undefeated for sure. But there's still that chance. Uh, and then the other thing I wanted to mention with the running game today, yes, what you know, Kalani talked about it after the game, that even he has to kind of figure out why it hasn't been clicking yet. Um, I do love the idea. I want to see Houston Haymuli in this offense, yeah. see if he can can be maybe an X factor in sparking and triggering uh the run game, opening bigger holes, maybe even giving him the ball a few opportunities, um, you know, uh, whether it be in the pass game or, or short yarded situations, you know, he's definitely experienced. He's done it at a high level for a long time. He's a great leader. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious. I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the reason is, but I'm kind of curious to, to why we haven't seen him that much this year. Um, so maybe that's a, a good shakeup for, for this offense too. But, um, you know, I, th- I still think there's so much to play for with this BYU team this year. Sam, I love what you're <laughs> saying. We're going to finish off the Twitter spaces, and Mitch has been uh, excused for the rest of the evening. <laughs> hey. Sorry, Mitch. Hey, no, like, I, I'm i okay. You know what? It just, just tell me. 
that it's Hawaii, and then I can just go in and book the the new the Christmas Eve and let down my my wife and kids, and I'll be in Honolulu <laughs> hey, posted hey, up on the that, beach. That, hey, that's what I'm saying, Mitch. Secretly, this is all about Mitch <laughs> wanting to go on to a, Hawaii for the holiday. On a serious note, Mitch, because we've discussed this, what would you do if if it was the Hawaii Bowl? Would you miss Christmas with your kids to to go to that? Well, I would uh, I would try to find a way. I actually saw a flight that would get me back home by like 10 a.m. on Christmas morning. So it's too late. It can, you missed it. I, Christmas I, is over by 10 a.m. <laughs> I I know, but uh, hey, Cougar Nation, answer the question. If, if KSL Sports sends me, then I, I got to be there for my job. Mitch, come on. This is a cop-out answer. Are you staying home for Christmas or are you going to the Hawaii Bowl? I, well, I got to keep my options open. Uh, uh, I'm day, hey, hey, here, here's, a, here's a thought. Here's a thought. I'm day-to-day. I'm day-to-day, okay? Day-to-day. We're going to wake up on Christmas morning, Matt, with a photo of Mitch's feet crossed hey. on a beach somewhere. Uh, in Hawaii, let me saying Merry Christmas, guys. Let me ask you this, guys: What? How much does BYU change when Puka Nakua comes back? I mean, like Puka is just so dang good. Are we kind of underselling that footnote here? That how many points could he been been worth? His presence alone had he been able to play. Gosh, it's such a bummer that we're seeing Puka dealing with injuries because this guy with injuries, ah, it, it's a bummer because. How good he was in that USF game. And that was a guy coming off a hamstring injury in fall camp. He was dealing with that still. And he popped off those big plays. When Puka comes back, maybe that's just the the, the remedy that BYU needs to just feel good and get back on track. Uh, Mitch, you, you just made the point. Another reason why this team has can, can get to that NY6 game. <laughs> you get a healthy Puka back. You get a healthy Gunner back. And that uh, that offense just becomes that much more dynamic. I don't think Puka or Gunner could have done anything about today, though. Yeah. I, just, I, I, I can't wait till they get back. It's going to be awesome when they get back. Well, they're not defensive backs or linebackers. That, so exactly. Right. It, that's the thing. is They weren't going to help with the missed tackles. They weren't going to help with the missed field goal. And they weren't going to help with, with, run, with the run game. Because I think the guys that the, the Chase Roberts, Cody Epps, Keanu Hills, sure. they have blocked well on the perimeter. That's not the problem. The problem is at the, at the line of scrimmage. So... Uh, I can't wait till they get back because I think they'll be more explosive. But uh, the problems uh, are these aren't problems that those guys can fix right now. Let me say too, though, I will the young receivers, even in a loss. And look, I'm not trying to give people this, you know, blue goggle alert, whatever you want to call it. But like, just some positives because every game has some. It's not as bad as maybe you think. Once you will watch it, the cliches, all that. There were some positives still, and I thought Cody Epps and Chase Roberts were once again a positive. I think these guys are our budding stars, and you know I think Cougar Nation always wants the fall camp hype to translate onto the field, and this is translating. You know, Cody Epps, Chase Roberts, these are guys, Matt, that you and I have been talking about for it feels like for the last five years, and it's been just you know this calendar year, <laughs> but we've been talking about these guys a lot. How they are going to be special, and. These guys are showing up big, and I thought it was a great moment for Cody to to get his first career touchdown. He was able to uh, address the media today in a post game. I kind of felt bad for him in that spot because it's like you know it's a loss, but at the same time it's his first it's his first TD. And it's a celebratory moment for him individually. And you're kind of like you don't want to like grill the man too bad because then he doesn't want to go to the podium again. Uh, but at the same time, you're like it's a loss, and you got to ask some tough questions, but. 
You know, but hey, Cody Epps is a pro's pro when it comes to interviews. That guy, that guy is uh, outstanding. We'll actually have him next week coming up on KSL News Radio on Cougar Sports Saturday. You don't want to miss that. He is uh, just tons of energy. Love, love talking to Cody Epps. Uh, so I was happy for him. I thought Chase Roberts again. Like I thought, this guy is going to be awesome at BYU. I think he's a rising star. Where you're talking about face of the program type of player, that's Chase Roberts, in my opinion. His ability is undeniable. He is going to be very good uh, for BYU, and I thought he had a nice uh, performance again. I mean, to go up against the secondary of Oregon uh, and have some success and have flashes, have individual plays where you're winning your one-on-one battle. I think that's something you can build on for those guys and their growth as they continue to become really special players because they will be the cornerstones in the receiving game for BYU in the Big 12 era. Maybe what were some other positives for you, Matt, uh, from what you saw in the game? I know they're few and far between, but were there positives for you? Oh, man. Uh, you know, let me put the stats here quick. I just want to make sure what I'm about to say is backed up with facts. Yeah. Um, I thought that BYU on third down, that they were pretty good, 8 of 15. So that's better than 50%. I thought Jaron Hall made some exceptional throws. On third down, he had one third down to Cosper. It was like third and long, third and behind the chains. He was able to find Cosper on a crossing route accurately. So I thought on third down, they were pretty good. Unfortunately, they were in third down probably a little bit too much. And then on the times they did not convert, they were they were 0-4 on fourth down. I yeah, mean, that was sh- that think was about the, the fourth down line is maybe the staff that actually pops the most. Oregon 3 of 3. And two of those three are were on a back-breaking final drive in the first half. And then BYU goes 0-4. And if, you know, if they get one or two of those, especially in the first half, is the game different? Uh, maybe. Pr- probably not well, because well, you're just not. Well, think about that Cody Epps one, uh, the bubble screen on, on drive number one. BYU converts that fourth down, and they're moving in for a score. Like, just if BYU, but then, but then they miss the they miss the field goal though. So either way, they're not getting any points. Well, I'm saying like if BYU gets that fourth down on the first drive, if again we're we're talking in hypotheticals, but if they get that first down, and let's say they they score a touchdown or get some points, that to me would send like it would make the vibe in Austin feel like oh no, here we go, it's Georgia again. Like they're this team's gonna just run us out of the building. Like it would have changed the to- whole tone. I almost think if BYU. Picks up that fourth, uh, or you know, just gets it done. I I like the decision to go for it. I I did. I would not have gone for. The I goal. hated it. You I, are wrong. No. Boo! I, look, no got, good, we, man. We talk all the time about Jaron Hall, how special he is. Put that put that ball in his hands. I'm go, I'm going with Jaron over Jake right now. Come on, like I I like. That I, I'm not. I would have. I would have punted. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. Um. I wouldn't have tried a fifty something yard field goal. I just. I just felt like it's hey, Jaren being Hall. aggressive is great. You're on the you're on the road. Why, why do you want to give Oregon the ball at the forty? Because it took them four plays to go sixty yards. I just I, uh, sometimes sometimes you do have to play the field position game. I I just I don't know. I, at yeah. a different point in the game, I wouldn't have done it. I I hear you there. I mean, but I, I just think if they do pick that up and they do score, man, that 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 just maybe changes everything. The the vibe and the feeling of the game. That's that's all I'm saying. But yeah, like BYU struggled on fourth down, and I think you can critique Kalani on. Does he sometimes get a little too aggressive? Does A-Rod, do they try to push the issue a little bit too much? You can, you can argue that. I mean, BYU... Uh, it's different when you're at home and when you're on the road. Sure. Because Not it just great. felt like on, when you're at home, okay, you know, the, the crowd's going to get loud. They're going to help the D. It's, you know, it's all good. It's 
But in, t- in today's a prime example, they didn't get it. That place is rocking. Four plays later, they're up 7-0. And if you punt it, it's, you don't, I mean, you don't lose the drive. And then they've got to go a lot further and work a lot harder to get the score. So I just, I, I, I didn't like that at all. And it felt like you missed that. You're down 7-0 on the other end. And it's just like, uh-oh, here we go. Poor start. Can they recover? So it just, that didn't feel like the uh, reward was worth the risk. I just think that trying to assume again, I'm assuming here. I think like when you're an underdog in this game, and BYU was, even though they were a higher ranked team, to go into a place like Otson where non conference teams never win, you can't do the conventional. The conventional doesn't work in that building against that speed, against that athleticism. And I just think that if you do something unconventional and have success with it, it can be deflating. And I think that's that was the line of thought. Because, I mean, if you pick up that fourth down, it's a total tone setter, and it changes the outlook of the game. And I think that, that, that's where I feel like the coaches were trying to approach it from. And I think there's just a ton of trust in Jaron. Like, I, I I think that guy can do anything. I mean, he's just, He didn't even pass the ball past the line of scrimmage. I know. It that's was the a frustrating bad, the part. The play call was frustrating. Like, that, the decision to go for it, I loved. The, the, the play call, yeah, I second-guessed that completely. Like, what was that? Like, and, BYU, and another critique, I will say, the two-point uh, attempts the last two weeks, not they have not been pretty. That's got to get it be an area that BYU improves on. Is My wife hates going for two. Anytime <laughs> she sees anyone go for two, she's like, nope, they're not going to get it. And now I'm like, I'm almost to the point where I'm like, I think she's right. Sam. I can't remember the I can't remember the last time a two point conversion worked. <laughs> Sam, you got a lot of grief. Speaking of the two point attempt, you got a lot of grief for your take on two on BYU's two point attempt. I did, I did. So when they went for two, I just felt like, isn't it a little early, you know, to be chasing points? That's basically how I put it on on my tweet. I, I put, I put, I, I don't think. I think BYU is in too big of a hole to complete this comeback anyway. But why are you chasing points uh, at this situation? I, I did. I got lit up by a lot of BYU fans because because it, it it gives them hope. It means you know. But but my take, and I told this to Matt up in the press box. I said, you know, okay, let's say they convert the two. It everyone says it's a two score game. Yes, it is. You still have to convert a two pointer on each of those. Um, my thought is if it, if you just Get the one. It's still a three-score game, but you don't have to score three touchdowns because as soon as you miss one of those two-point conversions, you got to score three touchdowns, right? And uh, so, so that's that was where I was. I was just I'm thinking more along the percentages line, right? Yeah. Let's play the odds right now and and get the points that you can definitely get, and then once you get back into it, you can start taking a few more chances. But um, you know, I get it. I get both sides of it. I just lean on the side of don't chase points too early because then you can put yourself in a hole where suddenly you do make it an extra score game, you know, uh, instead of what it could have been. So ultimately, like I even said in my tweet, I don't think it's going to matter anyway, but <laughs> but people still didn't uh, appreciate my, my take. And, and I understand. I totally get it. You, you want your team to have a chance. You want your team to have hope. But, um, yeah, it's it, – it, it was a little baffling to me. A lot of things were baffling at the end of the game, like the way BYU uh, uh, continued to take time out. Yeah, to try to get another touchdown. I felt like they were trying to make the score look a little better, but in the afternoon game that everyone in the whole nation is seeing, anyway, they're seeing how the game went down. 
the score isn't going to change. And luckily they got out without any, any major players getting hurt. But I know that was something we were talking about. You know, it's just yeah, not I worth hated the that. risk. It is not worth the risk to have a such a dynamic and elite player like Jaron Hall to be out oh. there uh, keeping the ball, running downfield with the ball. You know, I'm like, it, I'm it, like, stop it. It was scaring me. I was thinking I was having flashbacks to like Taysom against Utah State in 2012. I'm like, do not lose yes. Jaron to some dumb play that has the game out of sight and out of mind. Do not lose him to injury. Do not let the – I mean, look, Matt, Matt sees me every week in the press box, and he knows I'm just like – I'm always almost focused too much on these injuries. Like, when Jaron gets touched, that, like, opening drive or, – or, or the it was Mitch, oh, spends, Mitch spends over 10 minutes a game, everyone. With his binoculars on, looking at the medical yeah, that is back. It's a sick, sick deal for me. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, when when Jaron got hit, I think it was the second play of the game, right after the Chase Roberts uh, big play through the air, he gets barely hit, and it was kind of like awkward. I'm like, oh no, oh no, is he okay? Like I'm just like I get so worried about the because I just I want to see Jaron I want to see I want to see BYU's best personnel on the field and, and I just oh it pains me when they don't have their best eleven especially at the key spots like a quarterback and obviously Jaron's fine he was he was you know honestly in good spirits in the post game press conference I think he's a pro's pro when it comes to mm-hmm. handling the media and, and his commentary but uh, but yeah I, I think that. That late uh, decision, I, you know, Kalani's reasoning behind it kind of, uh, I was like, okay, like he, he was like, I want to get some momentum again for the offense going into the future weeks. But to me, I'm like, the offense will bounce back. I, I think that I told right. through through the air, they're going to get it right. I mean, yeah, there's some questions about the ground game right now, but they'll get it right. Uh, it's more like the special teams and the defense. That's where you got to get some momentum. Let me let me ask both of you guys uh, your thought on this as well. Like. Um, yeah. Okay. Building momentum, get, getting. I, I, I guess that kind of answers it a little bit. It makes some sense to me. But um, my thought, uh, I'm losing my train of thought, guys. <laughs> I've been up. I've been up too long. Hey, let, let me let me let me <laughs> offer you guys a thought. This is other than keeping guys healthy in a game that you can't win. I think the other thing that gets missed when you just trot out the the, the starters in a blowout is guys like Jacob Conover missing valuable reps. Yeah. Like, right. And, and I think that's, the, especially in this game, it just felt like, hey, you can go with Conover. Maybe it's Jackson, uh, Miles Davis, uh, you know, Terrence Fall. I'm just, I'm just ripping sure. off some names on the offensive side. Sure. But there's a chance to run the offense and get some actual reps. Like, there's no, there's no replacing actual experience. Yeah, uh, so that was, that was one one thought I had there at the end of the game. Like, you know, BYU legend Derwin Gray at the end of the third quarter, he was tweeting out, get Hall out. He's done. You don't need him out there, you know. And the thought I had at that point was, okay, are and you kind of mentioned it, Mitch, you know, that they're, they're trying to build momentum. Is it, is it a, by taking Hall out that early, even though you're down by three-plus scores, um, is that a sign that, that Kalani's saying, all right, we're done, we're not winning this? Is it like a, a show of giving up in a sense? Or also the other thought I had was, is, it, is, is there a lack of confidence in the backup quarterback situation? Is there a lack of confidence in getting Conover out there to take some reps? Why wouldn't they give him an opportunity? You know, so, uh, and, and you already brought it up. Kalani's answer was that he wanted to build that momentum. But part of me feels like 
wonders if there's a little bit of doubt there as well. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. If you're I doubting putting a guy in down thirty-eight to seven, then I I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I mean, this, this, go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say that's the this is the perfect time to do it. There's 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 no pressure. Get the reps. I just man, it, like I said, if, if you don't feel like you can put Conover there at thirty-eight-seven, why is he on the roster for heaven's sake? <laughs> you know, it's like, geez. Yeah, I think there's a lot of confidence, honestly, in Jacob Conover. I think that confidence did grow quite a bit in fall camp. I, I just think that I kind of look at it like, uh, you know, uh, you know, it, the BYU DNA is always about the comeback, right? Fighting till the the last sixty minutes. I mean, that is one thing that I will always say about BYU that I marvel at with them is that there's not many games, even today, where they just got handled. I don't feel like they didn't try. You know, I feel like BYU is a program that will always try. For 60 minutes, they'll give it their all. They, they got. Uh, and and they, they did that. I mean, they, like that, that is something I will, I will hand to them. Yes, there's games where they didn't show up. They, they lost. They, they lose a bad game, whatever. But they usually try. I mean, they, they go for a full 60 minutes, and there's not many college football programs that you can say every single week always do that. And uh, even in those tough spots, like I still I didn't question the effort. You know, I, I think it was almost like, wow, like these guys are that moved to, uh, you know, they got it to 18 and thought they still could have a shot. Like, I, I mean, if, yeah. if you're me, it's like, I'm like, Kate, I would have taken the Dan Landing approach and said, okay, Bone X, have a seat. You enjoy the rest of your day. This thing's in the bag. I would have then, that would have been my cue for Kalani. I would have said, all right, Jaron, just sit. We're not risking you. Like, I would have just been like, okay, mail it in. But, uh, you know, I think a guy like Jaron, I think a, like a lot of those guys probably in that building, in that room, they felt like, hey, they could do something. And when they got it down to 18, it did get a little interesting. I never thought they were going to win the game, uh, but, but I mean, I was stunned that they got it that close. I thought it was going to end up being like a 35-point, 40-point loss. Uh, they made it somewhat reasonable by, the, by I, that metric. I've seen enough things in sports in my lifetime, as have most sports fans. I know you have, Mitch, that you know there's always a chance that something crazy can happen, even the craziest of comebacks. I mean, I think of, of the, uh, the 91 season when, when BYU was at San Diego State with oh, the yeah. conference championship on the line, and, and they had put together a massive late comeback to tie the game and secure the conference title. Um, you know, another, obviously, the Miracle Bowl is another great BYU comeback. There, there's, there's a lot of them. You can rattle them off, right? Uh, and, and so I'm one of those fans, too. When I, when I go to my favorite team's games, I don't care how far they're down. I am not leaving early ever because I just feel like I don't want to miss that one time that there yeah. could be a comeback. And I, and I agree with you. I think there was a sliver of a moment there when BYU did get a little bit of that momentum going in the fourth quarter that you're like, you know what? They could. And and you know if if every if things if the ball starts rolling in their favor maybe they could do something here. Here's um, the di- here's the difference though is Sam Jaron Hall has gotten hurt in multiple seasons. It's like Ty Detmer wasn't struggling with injury year after year after year when they were mounting big comebacks. I just I feel like uh, if if Hall had never been hurt, then then maybe we don't all feel this way. You know, but I think there is certainly a fear within the fan base. I know I feel this way that if Paul goes down, the year is lost because I just, yes. I, I, I agree with Mitch that Conover has come a long way. He had a great fall camp, but he's still not ready to win you football games against Notre Dame, Arkansas, yeah. maybe yeah. Boise State on the road. I, I don't think he's ready for that. So 
that, that's where I would push back against maybe that narrative just being, hey, we know Hall has struggled with injury and we need this guy to be yeah. playing all season long if we want to have a 10-win year. Yeah, plenty to play for still. There's plenty to play for. And so I agree. If you're in a situation where, where if you truly feel like the game is over, there's no need to keep him in the game. And it's not – going back to wondering why they didn't put Con over and has nothing to do with a disbelief in Jaron Hall because I believe Jaron Hall is is a, a NFL quarterback next year, right? I, I do believe he is oh, yeah. the leader of BYU's offense uh, and, and is the key to any offensive success they have this year. And so – uh, he, he's got to be healthy, though. So I agree with you there. If there's if there's those moments where uh, the game is in hand, whether it's a win, a big win, or you're on the other end, the losing end, uh, you, you got to be wise in those moments to know when to. I don't to think put they're going down. to be though, because I felt like they had that opportunity with USF they did. as well. They did. You're right. How interesting, guys. Speaking of Jaron and his NFL prospects, how interesting was it that this, these were the following teams? that were represented at the BYU-Oregon game. Seahawks, they need a future quarterback. Saints, they need a quarterback. Dolphins, they got Tua. Uh, Texans, I think they need a quarterback. I mean, I don't know what Davis Mills, uh, is he still the guy? Uh, Browns, uh, they got Deshaun Watson, but who you never know with, with uh, all that situation. And then Bills, they're fine. Uh, Cardinals, they got Kyler Murray. But I, I thought that was kind of interesting. You got a couple of those teams, they need QBs, and you got to think, you know, maybe they get an, a, an in-depth glance at, at Jaron Hall. I thought that was kind of interesting. They love Bo Nix. Sarcasm, sarcasm. That's great. Hey, I think Jaron Hall impressed the pro scouts today, though. Yeah. Just things, that, things did not go well. He was composed, turnover-free, high completion percentage, uh, great accuracy. He only really had, I think, two bad throws. His, he missed Chase Roberts, I think, was it on the two-point conversion where everything was drifting to the left and he tried to come back across the field and it went high and there was one other throw that was off target. But I, I would imagine the pro scouts walked away feeling like, hey, even though they didn't win, uh, this dude is, is probably the real deal. It's pro- it's amazing to me how almost every game, I kind of take it for granted a little bit with Jaron, but Every game, like BYU, they're they're never coughing up the football. That's a testament to Jaron Hall. He, I mean, he even in a loss, and look, BYU had a lot of issues, but they're not coughing up the football. And you know, if if you play sound and you can get this ground attack going again, back to the level I think many of us think they could. Um, you know, this offense, this team's gonna be fine. They're gonna be good. It's just, uh, it's it is a missed opportunity, like we've said. But yeah, Jaron, he, he's he's the ultimate leader, and I think that he's. He's a guy that's definitely going to impress scouts, and I think it's it's nice to see. And that was another th- thing that I kind of felt bad for for Jaron and this team is that Jaron deserves a massive spotlight. I was listening to a college football podcast flying into Eugene yesterday, and they referred to Jaron as a game manager. And look, game manager is not a bad title. Like it's not. You can make a lot of money in the NFL being a game manager. That's not Jaron Hall. <laughs> I mean that that is not Jaron. At all, like just because he doesn't cough up the football doesn't mean he's quote game manager. This guy is a uh, he can do it all. I mean, honestly, I think he's got a huge arm. He's got a his accuracy. I just think that he's doing this too without some of his top guys in the passing game as well. So uh, I I still continue to be impressed with with Jaron Hall, and I think he's only going to get better over the course of the season. Hey, so here's a question for you guys: 
putting some family members on blast here who are in the hotel with me. But uh, some people uh, think that they, I think that Jaron Hall is a game manager. What? And uh, that he's that he's not making the big flashy plays. How do you guys feel about that? No, I, I think Jaron he he will go within the offense. He's not going to force the issue. Uh, but man, those those shots where he takes downfield, I, I would like to see you know a few more attempts, to deep balls. But you know, again, they're down two wide receivers. I mean, they're down Gunner, they're down Puka. Your your number one and number two receivers when fall camp started. On what August third, and then the second day of practice, Gunnar Romney, like hours after he tells us, Mitch, Matt, I feel better than I ever have. Then he's done, and it's like he, you know he's down those guys. And no, I think Jaron is uh, an outstanding quarterback. I you know I, I I mean look, he he manages the game well. I mean it's not it's not again it's not a bad thing to be a game manager, but I think he's far far more than that. You don't become a potential first round second round pick simply being a game manager. Uh, Jaron Hall is going to be someone that's viewed as a highly coveted draft pick, in my opinion. And I think that that conversation is only going to grow. I think what he's done thus far, uh, he's shown you his ability. And I think, again, his his uh, leadership, I think, is really what puts him over the top. So, no, I I, I disagree with that. I just think Jaron, I think he's one of the all-time best in BYU. I mean, he's 7-2 against P5s. This was the second loss today. Uh, and the two losses have both come against ranked teams, Baylor and Oregon. It's not like he's losing to scrubs. I mean, he didn't lose to UAB. He wasn't in that game. Uh, you know, Boise State, uh, that was a loss, and, and he had to take that one. But, uh, you know, he don't lose to bad teams. Uh, he's not losing. Uh, he's not having these catastrophic, uh, you know, bad losses to horrific teams like uh, UMass, East Carolina. We can reel them off. We've seen them all. You know, so, you know we, we've, we've seen BYU even back in the day, 85 UTEP. I mean, like – BYU, like he's not losing those type of games. I agree. I I think Jaron Hall does stay within the offense, and if people confuse that as being a game manager, then uh, they're they're just then let's wrong, question their right? football IQ. Am I right? Right, right, right. I'm, because, I'm just kidding. I mean, you know, I I don't know, but it's like it's Jaron trusts this offense because it worked. It's worked for, you know, multi, you know, a full season last year with him uh, under center. It's, it's worked with him uh, for three games this season so far. He trusts the offense and how it works. He knows what he's capable of doing within that system, and he's staying within it. He doesn't improvise that much, um, you know, but it doesn't mean he, he lacks the skills to do so. He's just uh, sticking with uh, what what's working right now. And, and, you know, I know a lot – a lot of things didn't work today, but Matt, you did point out how efficient and how good uh, he was today, uh, despite the other weaknesses this team had. Um, yeah, Jaron Hall's an outstanding quarterback. I'm surprised we haven't had any fans try and chime in. I, I, I see a BYU fan here that I've known for a long time, Andy Reid. Can you believe I have a friend Wait, who's on. a BYU fan whose name is Andy Reid? Oh, I was can you say, believe that? I was like, I was like, hold on. I was like thinking, is it the real it's Andy Reid? Not Reed? that because, Andy Reid. Because, because I was like, oh, he had a Thursday night game. He could be in here. He could be talking <laughs> right now. This other Andy Reid should chime in because he has some good takes. <laughs> I, I don't know if he's uh, daring enough, but uh, and you know who knows? Maybe we just leave the fans out of it after last week, as as we mentioned that, mentioned earlier after that. Uh, yeah. Oh. 
horrible <laughs> comment. That was awful. Yeah, well, yeah, some fans are just whatever. Well, uh, as, we, as we saw uh, today, too, at Oregon. I mean, <laughs> there's some fans yeah. like, eh, not good look. That's what. That's why they're called fans, right? They're fanatics. Um, hey, I've got to wake up early, so I'm going to leave. You guys, hey, what time's your flight? Uh, it's like at seven, but I've got to be there, like you know, the the, tra- the traditional two hours before. Why, Eugene? So, man, the thing's small. Yeah, that's you what can I roll up ten minutes before. I've, I've never been there, so I'm I'm going to leave my hotel Sam, at five in the morning. So. I was at the Eugene Sam, airport. Sam, you don't need to do that, Sam. Don't yeah. do it. Don't, don't do that to yourself, Sam. <laughs> okay, I, give me some advice. I was at the Eugene Airport yesterday, first time there. There's no need to get there two hours early. None. <laughs> Just don't go. do it. Look, if I was my at flight leaves at seven ten, and I get there by six. Is that enough time? I think six thirty. You're yeah, fine. Six thirty. I think you'd be good. Wow. Okay. Six fifteen. Yeah. If you want to play it safe, but do not show up before six fifteen. Now, now, if, <laughs> now. I almost need to bring in the expert on this, my wife, who's in this chat, but she would be... Bring her in. Get her in here. She would be frightened to speak. She's probably getting nervous as we speak talking about her. But I bring her up because uh, she was like... I had like my flight was at uh, like 7 a.m. or something on on Friday or 7.30. And I got up at like 6 or something. And she's just like... What are you doing? You got to be at the at the airport two hours before, so you have to get up like three hours before. And I'm like, no, no, like we're, we're fine. Like I've learned the ways of Jeremiah yep. Jensen. Okay, I have learned his powers <laughs> where he can show up three minutes before the gate, before the flight takes off, and he's ready and he's good to go. I've learned the JJ Sports Beat way, and I have I've embraced so get, that lifestyle. Get this. And this doesn't apply to you guys as much as me, but I flew into Portland from Provo. I le- my flight was at 12.13 p.m. I left my house in Vineyard at 11.30 uh, a.m. What? And I, Beautiful. Yeah, I literally, I walked through, you have to have TSA pre, that's the first requirement. <laughs> so if you have that, I walked through TSA pre, and then it was like maybe a 50-yard walk to my terminal, because there's only like six <laughs> at the new Provo airport. And they were boarding. And I'm like, yep, this is how you do it. You just walk through TSA Pre, walk on the plane, off you go. So, yeah. Sam, please do not get there too much. All right, all right. I, I, already, I, already, I already scheduled a, a list, so I'm going to get in the app and change my uh, yes. schedule. Please do that. See, I've, I've, had, I've, I've had one close call, just one. But that was enough. I'll tell you, last year at the Rose Bowl, when we were coming back Sam? from California, Sam, I, read I, the I, room, I, I, Sam. I, I, I will not bring up. I will not bring up the uh, teams that played in that game. Okay, but Ohio Jeremiah State. Jensen, <laughs> Jeremiah Jensen and Matt Glade, our, our sports producer, um, they only brought carry-ons. I brought a bag that I needed to check. That was my <laughs> dude. That's problem. a big mistake, right there. I get it. But we. But here's the thing. We decided to fly out of Ontario Airport. I don't know if you guys have been to that yeah. one before. Smaller airport. Oh, man. County, what were you guys right? thinking? And, <laughs> dude, especially the day after New Year's, that oh. place was so packed. And I waited in the longest line to check my bag. I literally ran to the plane, got on right as they were closing the doors. Everyone on that plane. I'm that guy. Everyone on that plane is seated and buckled. It's because you checked the bag, man. I know, I know. And so everyone on that plane is seated and buckled, and I'm that guy walking in, <laughs> panting and sweating. <laughs> and they're like, oh, 
you're the reason why we haven't taken off yet. Okay. So I uh, they were probably all just jealous that they uh, that you were going to sit in a seat a, ten minutes less than they all had to. <laughs> probably. Uh. But anyway, guys, everyone in this everyone in this chat already knows this, but I'm going to say this: Mitch and Matt do BYU better than anyone else in Utah. So follow those guys; they won't lead you wrong. Um, they don't lead me wrong, so I enjoy it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for letting me uh, hijack some of this. Oh, and you, uh, I'll see you back in Utah. You bet, Sam. That's uh, appreciate the kind words. And, uh, yeah, the, the KSL Sports Adventures on the Road have always been pretty good. Last year, JJ and I, we had to abandon a rental car in Waco, Texas, and then hightail it up to <laughs> Dallas to the Big D to make a flight. We, we – we pulled it off like J.J.'s magic. We were like three minutes before the flight. My wife would have been frightened. She would have been panicked had uh, she been in that predicament. But I was like, oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm a J.J. I got that, that J.J., that TV glow on me. I can I can get through this. Anyway. <laughs> I, it kind of feels like maybe we're uh, outstaying our welcome here. We are. Uh, and in, the, in the wee hours. Hey, it's okay. But look, this is a therapy session, man. Sometimes therapy, you get deep into your feelings as someone who has partaken in some therapy a time or two look you get sometimes into the you you let it vent you let it all air out and then you feel it didn't better work off. though because you still think the season's over hey, and we're going to the Hawaii right, Bowl no, me and listen, Sam it worked for us all right listen I, I i just said Hawaii Bowl is probably where it's going to be but that's okay like look at the end of the day Matt let me just say this okay big 12 there you go Okay, like if this if this was just a loss today, where BYU still navigating the world of independence, yeah, people would probably be more up in arms because then it'd be more of a ah, uh, they're never going to be in a power it's five. Not league. over they're, yet. They're never going to compete. But now, hey, you got a future. You got a bright days ahead. This year's gonna you got bright days ahead, and the future has definitely bright days ahead. So it's been fun though, Matt. We have probably out uh, outgrown our our welcome here on the Twitter Spaces, but we always. Uh, <laughs> We always enjoy Cougar Nation. We always enjoy talking to each and every one of you. And uh, if you missed this, since there was no explicit language uh, from any sort of guest, we will be able to upload this onto the podcast feed this weekend. So I will be doing that tonight, and then I'll go to bed. And unlike Sam, I have an afternoon flight. My flight is at like one o'clock or two o'clock or something. I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna check out of my hotel at noon. I'm going to probably sleep till like 11.55 and then check out, and away we go. That'll be a good time. <laughs> Sounds great, man. I wish you safe, safe travels you to too. all of Cougar Nation who visited. And, hey, let's keep this thing – let's get back on track next week against the Pokes, and all will be well. That's right. uh, just one, one game at a time. There we go. For Matt Biamonte and Mitch Harper, we will talk to you next time here on – Twitter Spaces on KSL Sports. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind 
only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.